Franklin inbounding, full court pressure by the Cougars. Hamlet will retrieve the inbound pass. Five seconds to go. Hamlet from the left wing. She will put up a floater, drive to the basket, and the Crusaders win at the buzzer! Here's Reynolds, step back, 4-3, and the win, no good. Valpo wins! Valpo wins! Valpo wins 94-91. Valpo advances the best game I've ever seen for the Valpo women's basketball team. They beat the Detroit Titans by a score of 94-91. Valpo wins the game. They advance to round two of the Horizon League tournament. This is the Overtime Podcast, the official podcast of the Valparaiso women's basketball team. Each week, we bring you in-depth interviews and discuss all the latest in Crusader hoops. And now, let's meet the starting lineups for today's episode. From Miami, Florida, Justin Reese. From Chesterton, Indiana, Jordan Morandini. And from Portage, Indiana, Brandon Vickery. And we welcome everybody to this week's edition of the Valpo Women's Basketball Overtime Podcast. I'm Brandon Vickery from Valpo Sports Information. We've got Valpo Assistant Coach and Recruiting Coordinator Justin Reese, and also glad to be joined by Jordan Morandini from WVUR Sports. Well, it was a solid week in Valpo basketball, a one-in-one week with the loss coming on the road against the first-place team in the conference, and then a victory on Saturday to talk about. So we'll break it all down, a lot to get to in today's podcast. And let's start, guys, with I think the biggest theme lately on the positive side, which has been the defense. It's become more than just coincidental that the other teams are struggling to put the ball in the hole. Northern Kentucky, uh, Vapo held Northern Kentucky to what was the fourth fewest points given up in program history on Saturday. Wright State held below 30% shooting on two occasions. Green Bay held the second fewest point total of the season at that time against the Crusaders. Justin, what is it that has made your defense so successful here in this recent stretch? Uh, we wish we had the exact answer, but I think the, the real common theme and, and the reality is of his necessity. Uh, when your offense goes blank for as long as ours has, uh, you've got to find a, a way to stay competitive and to win games. And while we haven't been as fortunate to win as many as we'd like, uh, the bottom line is we had to find a way to compete. We thought we'd be a much better offensive team. We were a much better offensive team in the non-conference uh, season. Uh, but once we hit conference, things have kind of gone dry as far as the outside shooting. Um, so basically by default, we had to find a way. Our kids have really ground and really found a way to um, make it more of a priority, make it more of a, a consensus effort every single time they step on the floor, even in practice. And our game plan has changed in the sense of the way we've altered and the way we've tried to uh, change the pace of each game depending upon our opponent and what we felt was our strength. Did we have a speed advantage? Did we feel like it was to our advantage to maybe hold it and slow it down a minute and maybe run more sets? So uh, we've made more of a conscious effort in the sense of making sure we focused strategically every single possession on what was going to be the advantage to us on the defensive end, and that was really the difference in what we've tried to do. So uh, the kids really get most of the credit. They've really bought into what uh, us as a coaching staff have brought to them with new ideas and and new strategies pretty much every other game from, hey, this is the standard kind of Valparaiso defensive system, and then how we've had to alter it or change it in the sense of, you know, how are we going to hedge? Are we going to switch? You know, how are we going to play more man? What man are we going to play? What zone are we going to play? Are we going to trap out of our zone? Things that we didn't typically need to do because our offense was a little bit stronger, 
we've kind of resorted to, for lack of a better word, because it was the only way for us to stay in these games. And quite frankly, it's been it's been the backbone of us for the entire conference season. Uh, again, as I said before, the kids get the credit, um, but we are a defensive team now, whether we like it or not. And I know Coach Dora would would cringe a little bit to hear that as an offensive-minded coach. He wants to get up and down and get in the 80s and 90s if we could. But uh, right now, uh, we're going to hold you to 40, and let's see what happens. And, Jordan, uh, you can maybe say the first couple time or two that it happens. Uh, I mean, the other team just had a terrible shooting performance, and Apple might have gotten a break. The, it was just an off night for the opposing team. But when it's four, five, six games, uh, there's a theme there, right? Yeah, no question about it. I think defensively this team has been pretty impressive really throughout the year. And one thing I want to touch on, I mean, they've held some of the best players in the conference, you know, to very uncharacteristic nights uh, when they've played them. I mean, they held Marion Crocker to seven points on two eleven shooting. Rosanna Reynolds only had seven the first time those two teams met. And Ashanti Abshaw had two very inefficient nights, five of 15, four of 17 the two times they played her. So they've had some really good defensive game plans, I think, and as a whole it's been a pretty solid defensive effort from this team. And that's been uh, that's been another theme is holding the opponent's top scorer down. And, uh, Justin, that's been something you've been able to do efficiently throughout the year. Yeah, again, we've tried to game plan specifically to each of those strengths and, and try and force other people, whether it be a second-tier player, if you will, or someone who's not used to having to, to, to carry the scoring load, uh, make them be the focal point of the offense and see if they can be effective enough to beat us. Uh, for the most part, we've, we've still continued to do that very, very well. Uh, if we look back in literally the last probably three to four weeks, we felt like we've held the opponent to offensive numbers that should have been good enough for us to get wins on most nights. Uh, until we can find a, a consistent offense, it's going to be tough for us no matter what we do on the defensive end because I know everybody says defense wins championships. But in basketball, if you can't score, you're putting way too much pressure on your defense and therefore every possession, every 30 seconds that you're playing it, it's just too valuable and too stressful in the sense of the way the game is played. Let's dive into the games now and talk about Wright State on Thursday night. Wright State wins the game by a score of 63-48. to 48. Let's start with the opening quarter. Uh, Jordan, we'll go to you first here. I, uh, at the first media timeout, neither team had scored. Valpo was 0 of 5 shooting with five turnovers. Wright State was 0 of 10 shooting. They hadn't turned the ball over at all, but had missed all 10 of their shots. And it's, it was a struggle to score early, and the score was 8 to 4 after one quarter. Yeah, very interesting first quarter to say. At least I, from a Valpo standpoint, I just thought this was a, a pretty un unbelievably frustrating quarter. You know, you get the good defensive effort, you hold Wright State to just 2 of 18 from the floor, and then you still trail by 4 at the end of the quarter. I mean, it's just one of those quarters that you can't have offensively, you know, to be con consistently successful. And what stood out to you in the first quarter? Yeah, typically it was, uh, you know, exactly what you'd want to do on the defensive end and, and, and was very similar to what we did to them at, at our place and, 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 and during our home game against Wright State as we match it up as I get it to get it together there. Uh, again, holding them to single digits, fantastic. The, the difference was here at home we were obviously able to make some shots and our kids some off the bench were able to play a little bit better in that first quarter, and that's why we had the large lead after the first quarter here at home. Uh, you go on the road and play in a tough center, a uh, tough place like the right, uh, the Nutter Center, excuse me, at Wright State. That's a big difference, and and they did a nice job as far as just grinding us. And they really came out with a different kind of defensive game plan. Uh, they really wanted to pressure us hard, uh, and came out with some really strong ball pressure on the defensive end. And that really was something that uh, they hadn't done the first time. Um, so it took a little of our kids a little bit for uh, off guard, if you will. So once we adjusted past the first quarter, we were able to handle the pressure without an issue. Unfortunately, at that point, Wright State kind of managed to find their offense a little bit there in the second and third quarters. Uh, 
But again, we hold them to a total of 63. I mean, that's more than enough to, to, to win in the Horizon League. It should be enough. I mean, you're not going to hold a team with the, the firepower of Wright State to, you know, 30. It just isn't going to happen, you know what I mean? So uh, we had a great first quarter in that respect on the defensive end. I think our defensive game plan and, and the defensive game in the hole to hold them to 6-3 was right there. I mean, they go to the line 26 times. We go 7. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you can look for on the offensive end. The 17 turnovers, again, most of those happened within the first, you know, 12 minutes of the game between the first two quarters. So we really kind of adjusted and held on and did some good things. It was just, again, the offense failed us. We only had one player reach double figures. You know, we shoot 30% from the game. As I mentioned, we only went to the foul line seven times. Um, just a lot of things kind of affected that. And then, again, one thing, you know, as much as we were good on the defensive end, we were playing defense a lot that game between the turnovers in the first half and then the offensive rebounding right state really got away from us in the second half. Felt like we were at the defensive game, you know, defensive end, excuse me, for about two-thirds of the game when really you want to make that obviously about 50-50 or, you know, two-thirds the other way. And let's talk about Danny Franklin in this game. She was held to two points in the first half, and then in the second half she was able to go off for 17. She always seems to find a way to get to her average. Uh, but what they do against her early, and then how did she start to kind of rack up the points as the game went along? They went a little bit different, kind of the, uh, something Youngstown did to us earlier in the season. They tried to guard her with a perimeter player, uh, trying to hope some speed, uh, and, and the smaller side would kind of get under underneath her a little bit, make her uncomfortable. Um, you know, throw off her equilibrium if a little bit. And I think they were able, you know, to have some success with that. I mean, again, she wasn't super efficient. 7 to 22, you go, yeah, she got her numbers, and she was, you know, a huge double-double for us. And, you know, some of those shots were we were running plays for her late because we felt like she was our best option, almost kind of forcing her to take some shots she may or may not have normally taken anyway. So some of that's on us as a staff. But give credit to them and their, and their idea and the game plan. They, as I mentioned, it's a, it's a game plan we've seen before but not consistently used on her. Uh, they wanted to take away the, her perimeter shot, so they used the speed. Uh, and then basically every time she tried to touch it, if she turned her back and put it on the floor, uh, she was immediately doubled. So that was kind of where they were at as far as their adjustments. Once we made the adjustment and kind of made you know Danny aware of where it was coming from and how it was going to come and when their timing of their doubles were going to come, she was able to adjust and able to hit a few more shots, get herself to the line a couple of times. Uh, but she did a good amount of it on the offensive board. So if you're going to guard her with a perimeter player, eventually she was just going to overwhelm her with her strength and her athleticism. And that's where she really got a few of those points for us. Yeah, offensive rebounding was a, a big factor in this game. Is uh, You saw six out of Danny Franklin and, and five out of Amber Linfors, or at least a big bright spot in the game. may not have been a factor in the outcome. Uh, but a good rebounding performance, again, Jordan, out of Danny Franklin as she matches a career high with 16. Yeah, and I thought that was the most impressive thing with her performance, Brandon, especially because Amber was battling with foul trouble little in this game, limited to just 20, uh, 21 minutes. And another thing, I mean, it's important for her to rebound when you don't have Haley Thompson off the bench and Amber has to sit a little bit. She's probably the biggest player out there for them, so they need her to do a good job on the glass, and she did a really nice job in this game. Ten defensive rebounds, and like you mentioned, the six offensive ones to get some extra possessions. And this is another game, Justin, where you were limited in who you could put out there on the court because of, one, Amber Linforth gets into foul trouble, as Jordan mentioned, that plays a factor, and then, two, Georgie Donchetz takes a blow to the face, and she ends up being sidelined. You Right when you get Meredith Hamlet back, then you'll lose Georgie Donchett. You know, it's been that kind of season, and as we've gone through that uh, several times on the podcast, I mean, that's just not something you can prepare for, but at the same time, it's uh, the roller coaster of the season. So we may have had a little bit more than our fair share, but uh, that's the way the, the way it goes sometimes as far as the injury bug or uh, whatever the case may be. But, uh, yeah, we had some unfortunate calls go against us early, especially on Amber. 
Uh, she was a huge factor for us on the defensive end. She wasn't quite uh, as much on the offensive end, but again, because of the limited minutes, wasn't able to kind of get into a rhythm. But defensively, she was a monster out there. She had four blocks. She had at least that many alters, probably more. Uh, they got her for, you know, we got her for 12 boards. Five of those are offensive, so she kept giving us possessions even though we were struggling to finish. Uh, and again, as we already mentioned, Danny Franklin had six offensive, 16 total. So again, inside our presence, those two young ladies did a fantastic job for us, really did a good thing. I mean, points in the paint were dead even at 26. So uh, as far as a team and as a unit, we held our own there. Uh, the big difference in that game, you know, is again, is we're positive with the rebounds. We're happy there, if you will, and, and you know, we're looking for a positive. But the difference is it was a 15-point game. It's 17-2 to two on points off turnovers. Uh, there it is, bottom line. Yeah. You know, you don't want to sum it up and make it sound like there was only one specific thing. But when it's that drastic and a stat, uh, especially against the team of Calibre Wright State, as you've already mentioned, they're, you know, what are they, 12 and 1, first in the conference. They've won 11 games in a row. Yeah. Uh, you just can't do that. Yeah. All right, well, let's turn the page. Let's talk about Saturday's game against Northern Kentucky. Valpo wins this game, and yes, this is the final score, 41-32, to 32, the fourth fewest points allowed in program history, the fewest points scored in a win in the history of the program, dating back to a mark that had stood since the 1970s. About the Crusaders at this point don't care how they get it done. They care about getting the win, and that's what happened on Saturday. Uh, let's Let's run through maybe some of the – uh, the Northern Kentucky players, because, uh, Justin, you did the scouting report for this game, and you're really able to have success all across the board in holding some spe their specific players down, and they tend to have a pretty balanced scoring effort. And how about Utrecht, uh, one of ten shooting? I mean, what would you do against her? Yeah, I mean, they have a good, you know, starting five or starting group of versatile scorers who can kind of, you know, whether they, they're all, you know, about the same size, so they're willing to post up. And they're also more than capable of shooting the three. You know, one through four for them can all step out and knock down the three. Uh, one through five can all post up. So uh, they have kind of just an interchangeable, you know, lineup in the sense of what they can do and, and how they can play you and what they can do offensively. And they try and take advantages of mismatches. So, and they did a great job of that here in our building, uh, you know, getting us by a good 10 or 15. I don't remember what that final was. But yeah. bottom line is they beat us at our building and we weren't uh, too happy about our performance in that game. So. Uh, I had to go back and, and, and look at that and, and talk with the coaching staff. And, and really, you know, when you get beat in a game like that and don't play particularly well, you got to change it. You can't think, well, we just didn't do this. you got to find a way to alter it. So uh, we had a good idea in the sense of we felt like number four, Terry, was going to be the dominant yeah. player and the dominant ball handler for him. Uh, so we needed to find a way to kind of take her out of the game because when she plays well, they get wins. Uh, when she's uncomfortable and doesn't play quite as well, that's when Northern Kentucky drops the game. So... We wanted to make sure we did a good job with that. We gave Hannah Schaub that job because we felt like she could harass her and kind of get under her skin and, and follow her everywhere, all up and down the floor. And we really felt like that was the key in taking her out of the game. On Utrecht, I mean, she's a tough player. I mean, she's so versatile in the sense of the way she plays. She's got a strong frame. She's really capable scorer on the block. Um, but we were able to kind of do some different things with her as well. We kind of mixed it up between using length of, of Caitlin Morrison on her a little bit. Uh, Amber had her a few times as well to use her size. Uh, and then uh, Danny Franklin guarded her for the rest of that time. So we gave her a bunch of different looks. Uh, and by taking Terry out of the game or making her as ineffective, the, the, the touches that Uterek was getting and, and where they were coming from, they weren't coming from the same places. She wasn't catching them in her comfortable spot. So we're, we were able to kind of kill two birds with one stone, if you will. If you can control her, you can't let, you know, Uterek's not going to get it in the position she wants it, where she's not going to get it that straight line top of the key. She's not going to get it perfectly on the box. So those two defensive things kind of go together. And by doing so, we were able to kind of force both of them to have poor shooting games. And there have been times where some random player on the roster goes off against you, and that wasn't the case here. You're really able to do a good job 
on everyone and Jordan uh, they completely take Terry away holding her uh, not only holding her down but holding her scoreless yeah and I thought this was the key to the game I think we touched on this last week that this was going to be one of the keys to this game I mean it was heading in the first time these two teams met I mean she did dominate the game she dominated the game the first time these two teams that they had to contain her this time around and I thought the defense on her like Justin touched on was just phenomenal she was throughout this game just a non-factor I mean she only took two shots and along I mean she didn't score but she only took two shots too so you really took her away and just a great defensive effort on her all around and I thought like I said I thought that was the key I thought the rebounding battle was huge in this game uh, out rebounding Northern Kentucky 47 to 33 on offensive rebounds 14 to 7 there were some big significant ones for the Crusaders let's talk about the rebounding performance Justin and what did you see on the boards that was a, a big time game for us I mean obviously when the score is 41 32 there's going to be a lot of rebounds to be had so uh, it was important for us to make sure we, we, we were on the on the right side of that number. Uh, and frankly, not only were we on the right side, we were plus 14. So that was that was huge for us, uh, plus seven on the offensive boards. Uh, You've you got to start it with Amber Linforce coming up with 17 big ones for us. Uh, 34 minutes, again, four blocks, again, able to stay on the floor a little bit longer with the officiating. Again, offensively, she was a willing participant tonight, I mean, or that night, I should say. She took 13 shots. Unfortunately, some of those weren't falling for her, but the, her willingness to continue to take good shots for us, because even though they weren't falling, those were, for the most part, all good looks. Those, for the most part, if she continues to take those, she's going to go 7, 8, sometimes 9 for 13. Very rare is she going to go 3 for 13. So her willingness to do that opened up other shots for some of our perimeter players. Uh, we were just able to kind of play more along that round. But when it came down to the rebounding side with her with 17, Danny Franklin did her job with a full 9. Caitlin Morrison had five. I mean, again, we're really, really balanced, but that 17 really pops out there and jumps at you, and, and that was a big number for us. Yeah, her previous career high was 12, so she really blows that out of the water with that rebounding performance. And I think even the stats don't show the impact that Amber Limfor has made on that game on the defensive end. Uh, I thought she was the biggest factor. for, for to in, in It al almost always is. It's going to be that way for us. But, again, sometimes when you're on the road, things don't go or as far as the statistical categories. Again, I, I think she easily had probably two or, you know, maybe one or two, maybe three more blocks that are on this than are, are not listed on the stat sheet. Again, the shot alters uh, easily could have been double figures the way she was in this game because, again, Northern Kentucky was struggling. We were going to run them off a three-point line. We were successful to do that. We wanted to force them right into Amber knowing that she was going to be there and they were going to be – you know, for lack of a better word, intimidated of her presence. And they were going to throw up some shots that they normally wouldn't take, and they're going to take some bad ones. I mean, it easily, I would say, if, you know, if it was a statistical category for intimidation or alterations, she had another double-figure game there as well. And uh, when you look at some other uh, things from this game, I mean, uh, just overall, uh, the, the offense obviously wasn't 41 was beautiful. Be. Stop stop <laughs> hating on it, man. Seriously, it was a beautiful, beautiful performance. It was nine more than you needed, right? Exactly. You had plenty no, of wiggle room, but no. We, we can't pretend that it was you know anything other than what it was, but it was a win, and it was what yeah. we had to have on this trip. We're still giving our chance to uh, our, our chance to compete in the conference. There's still opportunities to move up within the conference. Uh, do we can't? Are we winning the regular season conference title? No. Uh, but do we have a chance to move up and achieve something still? Absolutely. This conference is wide open in the sense of you seeing who's getting wins over who, how we've been competitive with just about everybody in the league, and it's not enough to just be competitive, but we know we've given ourselves the confidence and the game plans and our kids have that self-belief that whoever we're going to face, if and when we get there, we're going to have a chance to beat. 
and that's what we're continuing to do. So, yeah, 41, not exactly pretty. Certainly wouldn't be the way Coach Dora would want to draw it up and certainly won't go on any of her highlight films for look at how I play offense here. Uh, but the reality is, is we got the job done. We knew this was the pace we wanted to play in this game, uh, and it was successful for this game. Now, I don't necessarily think that we're going to come out and be like, okay, this is the new face plant of, of how Valpo is going to play basketball. But, again, in that moment on you know February 11th, 2017, it was the perfect way to play. Yeah, I thought that it, it seemed very comfortable in it, too, even though the ball wasn't going in the hole. You held the lead for most of the game, controlled the tempo, and players continued to, to take shots and look confident, even though maybe offensively they weren't getting the result. And it all started with that outstanding defensive performance on Saturday. So Valpo gets another win, snaps a 10-game road losing streak, which is nice as well to get a win away from the arc. Uh, so it was all around a good day on Saturday. And, and now at this point in the program, it's time for our guest. And, and this week, Jordan, our guest is Georgie Donchetz, uh, who is always a kind of a fan favorite, a crowd favorite, but she's also made a big impact on the game playing this year, which is honestly a lot different than it had been in years past where her lim minutes were very limited, and she's had the chance to be a key factor for Valpo. Yeah, we've seen her really be that spark plug off the bench in some games, and she's also filled in in games where she's had to start and made a big impact. So, I mean, Brandon, you're right on. She has made a huge impact for this team and is a key piece. Well, let's hear from Georgie Donchetz. Right now on the podcast, Jordan and I are glad to be joined by Valpo Jr. Georgie Donchetz as we talk about the Valpo women's basketball team and the season. And first of all, Georgie, uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, you guys. <laughs> well, well, Georgie, it's been, I'm sure, a fun year for you. You've contributed as more than you have the first few seasons. You've had a chance to be on the court. Just what's it been like to have that change for you this season? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, that's, like, Oh, I'm here. You know, I wanted to play. I was, you know, it's been tough the last two years having to, you know, be on the bench. But I mean, I'm finally like, I'm just glad to be able to help on the court and not just being like that energy off the court. So feels good. And, you know, yeah, we're having a tough season. But I mean, at least I feel like, you know, what I'm doing on the court is helping a little bit, I guess. And when it comes to your game, I mean, you're widely known as the spark plug a little bit in this team. Uh, do you feel it, like it's your role to bring big-time energy every time you're on the floor? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that's something um, there's, like, no excuse not to bring. I mean, that's something, you know, that's under my control, like one of the very few things in basketball that's under my control. And, um, I yeah, I enjoy doing it. I, like, enjoy making, you know, things a little more fun and lighthearted out there. Let's talk about the way the team's playing lately now. Mm -hmm. Two and two in the last two games. Really, some bright spots are starting to pop up. How would you compare the, the atmosphere around the team and the, the feel around the team right now to what it was earlier in the conference season? Yeah, I mean, I think um, one thing is is like we've just needed one win. You know, I think we've um, unfortunately started off the season rough and had games that we should have won, but you know, we just struggled to get over that hump. And now that we are over it, I genuinely think you know, people now have that comments like, yeah, we are good. You know, we should, our record, what it is, should not be. You know, everyone agrees and everyone has that hope. So I don't think anything has really changed, like how practices have been and stuff like that, like emotion-wise or like intensity, because like we've had this high expectation even with our losses this entire time. And we know that the Horizon League is wide open this year. You know, that you know it's anyone's game once the Horizon League tournament comes. So um, we've stayed motivated. We've just tried to keep it out out of our head what our record is because we know that we are way better than what that shows so and you're in your junior season now just what are some areas of maybe your game that you specifically feel like you've improved on um I think handling the ball is like kind of where 
I've improved. I mean, I, at the beginning of the year, I was kind of thrown into being the backup point guard and stuff like that. And uh, I think a lot of that was, yeah, working on ball handling, but just also the confidence that my coaches instilled that, like, yes, like, we need you here. Like, this is something that you're capable of has really um, helped me mentally. Um, just I feel like I've improved in that sense. Um, but, yeah, just – and then – I don't know, yeah, just the ball handling part and then obviously just trying to get better at every single part is important of basketball. Let's talk about some of your teammates, uh, not to put you on the spot, <laughs> but who are maybe some of your, your teammates that you feel like have made big strides this year mm-hmm. or some teammates that you, you maybe some of the younger teammates you've taken under your wing? Uh, who stands out in those regards? Yeah, I mean, I love Grace and Caitlin. I mean, those two um, definitely came in with, you know, a big role, you know, they knew right off the bat that they would be playing a good amount of minutes and stuff like that and had a lot of pressure on them to, you know, really produce like, you know, hit, hit shots and rebound and stuff like that. And, um, instead of like crumbling under that pressure, they've definitely done what they can to meet these expectations. You know, uh, coach Reese and coach Mo are always on Caitlin and Grace too, more in a sense than the others, just because I think they know what they, how good they can be and stuff like that. And they've handled it amazingly I mean last game um our win against uh uh Northern Kentucky Coach Mo said you know what like Caitlin if you get five offensive five offensive rebounds like we'll get all, we'll all get ice cream and so it's like stuff like that that is just um we all know that they can be so great and that they're going to be a big part of the program for the next four years and they've handled it with class and very well I thought so and uh, after, I mean, two seasons where you didn't play, you weren't able to play the entire year, I mean, would you say that changed maybe your appreciation for the game of basketball at all? Mm-hmm, for sure. I think I uh, definitely i am more grateful, I guess, for it. You know, I'm a um, very emotional person in the sense where I was like, oh, my gosh, this ends, you know, soon for me. Um, and I think other people don't have that because they have it. They didn't – they've been playing consistently, and um, I'm just so grateful for every opportunity I have, you know, so – um yeah whether it's like 10 minutes or you know 30 minutes I'm just so grateful to be on the court and you know embracing my role no matter what it is so and you, you touched on a couple of your freshman teammates and you think about two others that came in and tore their ACLs mm-hmm. and they go down for the season and Addison Stoller and Marley Prophet you've been there uh, mm-hmm. what do you tell them in that spot I mean just I uh, you have to tell them <laughs> definitely not too many times in a row because it does get annoying to hear like oh you know just hang in there just be ready and stuff like that that can be overwhelming but just you know I think more in a uh, I don't know how to explain it more like motivational in a sense where like you know focus on these small steps you know don't look at the season yet you need to focus on like getting better and you know once like the basketball parts then you get you know get ready for that but I mean they're so lucky they have you know another year uh or well they redshirted so they're gonna have um, five years here and stuff like that and I think that's a great opportunity for them to just develop as basketball players too and you know extend their you know education here and stuff like that so I think they know they're in a good situation and you know hopefully we all can be supportive and stuff like that and you're you're a very vocal player I would say out on the floor I mean moving forward I mean you're a junior now do you see yourself as potentially a primary leader of this team yeah I mean I think uh you know I wouldn't say primary leader. I would look at, you know, what Danny does and what Mary, you know, as us captains, like we all bring something different. You know, I wouldn't, I, I, I don't do what Danny does. And that's what makes, I think all three of us like work so well as we all bring something different. And so, yes, I'm like definitely the vocal one, but you're not going to see anyone in the gym more than Danny Franklin or Meredith, you know, so they're, 
they have that high expectation that way that like in that part of it but you know I don't know I think we just make come together well to be you know the main leaders and I mean there's some things that I think of like oh should we do this and Danny's like heck no like that's a dumb idea you know like we balance each other out in a sense so it's uh, it works well I think you talked about being a captain there Georgie what was it like when you found out that you were going to be one of the captains this year? Were you surprised? What do you remember about finding out that news? Yeah, I mean, I was I was excited. I mean, I was um, I was surprised. I mean, we never really talked about captains, um, but uh, I just it meant a lot, you know that you know I I was making a positive impact, not even having to be on the court and stuff like that. And um, it was awesome to be with it with Danny Danny, who was one of my like, my best friends. So it's like fun who fun to be a part of that. But I also genuinely think that you know. I care so much and you and um not being a senior you kind of lose some of that uh leadership and stuff like that just like with the pecking order and stuff like that but uh I care so much Danny cares and Mayor care and I'm just glad that we were you know given this opportunity to you know you know I don't know express that with our leadership I don't know (laughs) it was a great honor I'm not gonna lie so pretty excited about it I mean, you guys have picked up a couple wins now lately. I mean, moving forward, getting towards the end of the year now, what are some goals for this team down the stretch? I think um, just to keep improving is, like, a huge part. I mean, that's what we try to focus on with a record like we do. But, I mean, the Horizon League tournament's like, all about who gets momentum at the right time, you know. So we just want to win these this weekend. I mean, these are two really tough games. Um, and if we can just, like, keep building this momentum, you know, play hard, get a few Ws, and I think we're – feeling pretty good um going into the Horizon League tournament and I genuinely think everyone should be worried you know I mean we're not a the team that you should fall asleep on for sure so as long as we keep improving and don't take step backwards and stay injured free <laughs> I remember coach Doro telling me the story before you even got here that you already came in with the goal of beating Green Bay and you're familiar <laughs> with the league you wanted to come in and win the league what has to happen now to get to that level? I and mean, Green Bay has proven that they're fallible. They've lost mm-hmm. the two teams you're playing this week. Uh, do you feel like you've started to mid-strike, make strides in that direction, and how do you get to that high level? Yeah, I do. I think we are making strides. I mean, everyone wants to win. You know, like that. If you, that's why we're here is to win the Horizon League tournament. And uh, I think we're gonna have to play very well to beat Green Bay. But we've, hel- I mean, we played them our second game and we held them to 54 points or something like that. You know, so we. If we can just score and you know s- s- do what Velpo like what we are supposed to do, I think I think we're gonna be okay. We just gotta put the ball in the basket. There she is, Georgie Donchatz, <laughs> our guest on this week's podcast. Georgie, thanks for joining us. No, thank you guys. <laughs> All right, back here on the podcast, rejoined by Justin Reese and Jordan Morandini. There's our conversation uh, with Valpo Junior Georgie Donchatz, one of the captains of this Valpo team, as we talk about uh, her journey to this point in the season she's having this year. Ed Valpo. But now let's look ahead as we turn the page. Uh, a busy stretch here as the Crusaders have two home games Thursday and Saturday. And we'll also look ahead to a quick road trip that pops up on Monday at Milwaukee. Thank you, schedule makers. <laughs> as we start with <laughs> Oakland. and uh, boy, j- boy, the first time it, it didn't go well is one of the worst performances of the year, quite frankly. Uh, but the way you're playing defense right now, Justin, I can't think there's too much of a chance that they're going to get the triple figures again. So what do you, what do, you do different uh, on Thursday night against Oakland? Well, I'm certainly not going to challenge them and say, hey, can you go for it again? I don't want to put that on their, their bulletin board by any stretch. They're one of the more capable offensive teams uh, in the Horizon League with the speed at which they can play. I mean, they can flat out get out and run 
uh, better than anybody in our league. Nobody does better with you know forcing turnovers and making those points convert into you know or excuse me those turnovers converted to points. I mean, that ratio for that squad is is, is incredible. Uh, you know, their issue is not on the offensive end. If if they have a, a weakness, if you will, it's their ability to kind of stay firm and defend for a full 40 minutes and that's something that we've got to make them do we've got to make them move side to side we've got to make them commit to what they want to do on the defensive end not them just not allow them to just gamble and use their ball pressure to get a steal or force a bad play where they can get out and run and, and turn it into I'm, I know it's organized in their mind but as a, as a fan and you watch it they just it, they turn it up into just you know I'm using air quotes here is just pick up basketball you know with their speed and their athleticism and the way they can get out and shoot and transition you can't play that way and beat Oakland. I mean, you just can't. There's not anybody in our league who can play that pa- that pace for 40 minutes uh, and compete with them. Now the teams that have competed with them and beat them, uh, which is why they where they are in the conference, is they've been able to make them play not necessarily half court, but not allowed them to get out in the open floor uh, and and get easy looks. And, and you know they've taken care of the basketball. So uh, you know we kind of use the analogy with our with our kids yesterday. We watched some film. Is there a lot? They're a lot like you know sharks to blood in the water. When they see a turnover or they see a loose ball, they converge and they fly around and they start going. And there's not a better front running team. When they get a lead, they're going to spread it out and keep going. If you can get ahead and hold on to that lead and make them have to grind and play half court, you can sometimes frustrate them, uh, force their perimeter players to get a little uncomfortable, and they'll take some quicker bad shots in the half court, which is exactly what you want. Uh, so it's going to be a challenge. I mean, uh, even the next two games, Detroit, we're, we're facing some of the two better offenses in the conference. So uh, our new defensive mantra, if you will, is really going to be challenged these next two games. So we're really going to see what, we got, what we're made of and, and how well we match up. And Jordan, uh, Oakland is the top offense in the league at 75.1 points per game. Uh, the turnovers hurt the Crusaders the first time. They turned the ball over 25 times, outscored on points off turnovers 42-9. to nine. And against a team like Oakland, you've got to take care of the basketball. Yeah, no question about that. I mean, Justin touched on it. If you let them get out and run, this team can be extremely dangerous, and that's what we saw. But one one thing I do want to touch on, I think kind of remembering that score can be used as maybe a little bit of a motivation for this team. You know, you look back and you give up 100 points the first time around. I think you can use that as some extra motivation heading into what should, I think, will be a very competitive game on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, if there was ever a time where you felt like uh, this could be competitive after losing by 41 points the first time, I think this would be the situation. And one thing that you'll have to do differently is limit them from three. They went off for 16 three-pointers. Yeah, they had 16 matchup. and I think, what, 11 in the first half alone. Yeah. Uh, it was it was insane to watch them shoot. I mean, if it, was, if it didn't have to be against our team, it would have been fun to watch. So uh, it, w- it was definitely not uh, what we anticipated when we went into that building. Uh, we had a specific game plan to make sure that we controlled the tempo as best we could, and clearly we didn't uh, accomplish that on any kind of level. So um, that was easily our worst. I mean, you hit it right on the head, and we've said that to our team. I don't think we've played that bad since. Um, and I'm not sure we played that poorly at all, even during the year. So uh, incredibly disappointing, but we're not that team. I mean, that, that game was, you know, on December, thir- or, excuse, yeah, December 31st of last year. So it's, you know, hey, you know, as corny as it sounds, that was last year, right? So that's not this, who this team is. That's not who this team has been the last, you know, six, seven weeks. Uh, we're a different, you know, different, tougher mental makeup. We're going to be ready to go. So I think it's going to be a much more competitive game. I expect us to be in it late. And, and I think, you know, when, you, when you're in the game late in these situations, both teams are, are desperate for a win. Uh, you never know what could happen. And I like our chances at home. Let's turn the page to Detroit Mercy, which uh, comes up on Saturday. 
as uh, this was a game where really you look at three of the four quarters in the game and you were right there, but one quarter really turned it around as they outscored you 30-6 to six in the third. Uh, what happened in the third quarter from what you can remember, and how do you make sure this game goes more like the other three quarters? Uh, once again, it's probably one of those times that you try and block it out and, and not remember yeah. what that one quarter was all about. But when you when you essentially win the other three but lose one by such a huge margin you actually lose the game uh it kind of sticks with you and that's something that we've been dealing with in third quarters pretty much for the entire season we've had that kind of stretch in first quarters as well something about the odd numbers uh have been an issue for us as far as uh our, our energy level if you will or our, just our ability to make any kind of shots or offensive execution so I don't really have a specific answer. Oakland didn't do, um, excuse me, uh, Detroit didn't do anything specific or different in that quarter. Uh, they just came out with a lot more fire and energy than we did. Uh, they actually built two big leads on us in that game. One we were able to come back from in the first yeah. half. Uh, and then the second half, we just, we just faltered. We didn't come out at halftime with the same type of energy it took to kind of regain and get ourselves back into the game it was. And it was disappointing to feel as though uh, this is a game we game planned really well for, at least we thought we did. Uh, and and we, we feel comfortable with the game plan and, and did a nice job on some of their star players. We held them in check. Uh, we just we just didn't come out with the right kind of energy in that third quarter. And, again, you lose one quarter by that margin, it's nearly impossible to win the game, especially in this conference. Yeah, two things you touched on there. One was the, the game plan. And I remember that what was really stressed in the game plan was don't let this team go off from three-point. And you didn't. They went 6 of 28 from beyond the three-point arc. And then the second thing was keeping some of their key players in check. And it was Rosanna Reynolds who didn't make a field goal in this game. It was the first time since 2013, back her freshman year, where she was held with out of made field goal. She was the preseason player of the year in the conference. So, Jordan, those efforts were strong, but the Crusaders have to make sure that they do everything necessary to get a win this time around. Yeah, and uh, I think you'll see a little bit more of a focus on Cohen, the big player, because she had 22 the first time around on 10 of 14 from the floor. So, she'll, she, I mean, she's a tough matchup. She's a good player, so she's someone I think that you'll see them do a better job this time around. And you touched on Reynolds. I mean, you preseason Horizon League Player of the Year, you hold her without a field goal. One thing you do want to do a better job of this time around, she did take 10 free throws in that game, so you don't want to let the Stars get to the free throw line because sometimes that can get them going. Yeah, on the stat sheet, she only attempted one or two shots, but actually put up more shots, was just fouled on many of those attempts. Did Was she, though? <laughs> was she? According to the stripes. Just checking. Uh, but no, and you give credit to, to to her because she found a way to 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 still help her team even though she wasn't able to actually finish plays, and that's why she was, you know, preseason player of the year because she has a knack for the game and she knows how to draw those contacts or whether she drew them or not, she knows how to get them, you know, going her way. So uh, credit to her for that. I mean, honestly, you know, whether you watch it or you feel like you know we're on the other side of it, so we're always going to have a varied opinion on whether or not she was fouled or not, but. The reality is, is she did the right things to draw the contact, to draw the official's eye, and to get herself to the foul line. But, again, only sending her there ten times, if you will, with no other field goals, we felt like we did a nice job on her. And if we could do the same thing again and can continue to hold them down from three, we'll feel like we'll be in the right position. We've kind of altered a little bit. We'll try and do some different things on Cohen to kind of match her speed. Uh, one of the things that makes her a special player is while she doesn't have tremendous uh, shooting skill away from you know about the pain area while she's continuing to improve it nobody runs the floor better as a post player in the conference I mean rim to rim um, you know if it was the 40 yard dash she's by far the best one I mean she just flat out races rim to rim she knows exactly where she wants to go and she just plants herself down there so we've got to do a good job of trying to alter her route uh, if we can not allow her to go you know, straight line, rim to rim, somehow get in front of that and meet her earlier, maybe catch her at the foul line so she can't just be at the rim. 
things like that. We're going to have a couple of different things, give her a couple of different looks to kind of alter her game plan, uh, and we'll stick to what we did uh, on Reynolds, and, and hopefully we can do those two things, and then hopefully again, you know, not have a, a suspect third quarter. I think we'll be okay. And then a quick turnaround as you hit the road on Sunday, play Milwaukee on Monday night. Uh, and I know that we can't dive too much into this just because it's three games ahead, and I think Coach, Coach Mo does the scout for Milwaukee, if I remember correctly. Uh, but a solid performance the first time. Came within 11 points of a pretty good basketball team. You've seen a lot of Milwaukee over the course of the season. I know you just watch a lot of games and film. Absolutely. Uh, how have they developed over the course of the year? What type of team are you going to play on Monday? But they're the, they are who they are, and, and I hate to be that vague or that you know boring with the answer, but they're a very just – this is what they are when they put it out there. They've got two very good inside players, and they've got good depth inside as well. I mean, both their, their inside players are, can go for a double-double on you any night. Uh, you just try and hopefully they don't do it together. They, they've got a solid point guard who can score and distribute. And then they've got two shooters they put along the wing, and now they're bringing a young lady off the bench who's coming up big from three as well. So balanced scoring, good point guard, very strong on the inside. Defensively, they play a couple of different, uh, you know, defenses. They can play a solid man-to-man. -man. They also can throw a junk zone at you where it kind of confuses you on whether it's man or it's zone or if they're even going to throw a trap at you here and there. But they do a very good job. They're well coached. Um, it'll be a tough challenge, especially in that building. We, we felt like we played pretty well as far as the offensive goes, but uh, that was probably the last game we really, really didn't defend as well we'd like. I mean, we let them get away from us for 85. I think kind of after that game is where you really saw the change in our defensive makeup and our defensive backbone. Um, and, and since then, we've been a much stronger defensive team. But uh, if we can get to 74, uh, I think we're going to have a chance to win at that place again. You know, I mean, as tough as it is to play in their building, 74 is a, a big number for us on the offensive end. And the way we're playing defense now, we feel like that'll keep us in the game and be where we need to be. So uh, they're a tough challenge because they're versatile in the way they can score. You can't just focus on where well, we're going to take away their point guard. Well, that would help in the sense of but now you still have two shooters and you still got some inside players. Okay, we're going to take away the inside game. Well, now we're packed inside. Now we're going to open up and hope they just don't hit threes. So you got to have a very varied and give them multiple different looks, and that's what we're going to try and do. And, Jordan, this is the last road game of the year. Here we are. We're going into the final week of the season. So it really goes by fast, and Jordan, I think it's important right now. The Crusaders need to be playing at their best, not only because they want to get the wins, but because you will always want to be playing at your best going into the conference tournament. And Valp was able to do that a little bit really late in the year, a year ago, get a win at the end of the regular season, and then carry that over to a conference tournament win. Yeah, and they've started that momentum a little bit, coming off the win at Northern Kentucky. So with the two big home games this week, and then you travel to Milwaukee, the quick turnaround, This is there's no question these are three huge games coming down the stretch. All right, well, there you have it. We'll have a lot to talk about next week. We'll have three games to summarize by the time we get back from Milwaukee and get here to have next week's podcast. And hopefully there's uh, a fair amount of wins in there, maybe all three. So we'll see if the Crusaders let's, can keep it going. Let's not even worry about Let's just worry about one at a time. <laughs> and then you know who the coach is. If, if we're fortunate enough to get the first one, then maybe we can focus on the next one. But one at a time, and, and we'll get as many as we can. And uh, if we put our best effort out there, I like our chances against all three. All right, sounds like a plan. Well, there he is, Justin Reese, and there's Jordan Morandini on this week's podcast. My name is Brandon Vickery. We invite you to join us again next week. This has been the Vapo Women's Basketball Overtime Podcast, and I hope you enjoyed.